This is Inside LAFC. Hello, everybody. I am Max. Truth be told, I wasn't sure we were going to do a podcast. We had something planned, but uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. Wednesday, everything changed with regards to LAFC, with regards to Major League Soccer, with regards to relations here in the United States. It's changed. This is a moment in time we won't forget. A moment that began in the Orlando bubble in the NBA when the Milwaukee Bucks, a couple players stood up and said, we, uh, they, they, we're, gonna, we're not going to play. And they did it. And then the other playoff games in the bubble turned out. And then the games in Major League Baseball, Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, all sat down. Broadcaster Kenny Smith, they all stood down. Uh, as part of what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with the, the death of Jacob Blake at the hands of policemen. It also got to Major League Soccer. And I was uh, in the Australia studios preparing for the RSL LAFC game. And this was uh, the first game for LAFC I've done in about a year. So uh, needless to say, we were looking forward to it. And then we found out, we, we got a good feeling early the game started, kicked off, was supposed to kick off at 6.30, around 3.30, that it wasn't going to happen as LAC arrived there in Utah. And earlier games in MLS were, were canceled. Uh, we have a great guest. You know him. You love him. We all love him. Will Kuntz, the senior VP of Soccer Ops. A black American. Works for the club. This guy is going to, by the way, I, 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 he's not on the line, but this guy's going to be a superstar with this club or another. He's, we're very fortunate, you know, right next to John Thornton, the, the, the power uh, the, the power players, as, as it will, are just some of the best in, in any sport. So I won't say that when I have Will. I'll say that with, to you guys. I don't want to put it over the top with that guy. He knows it anyway. <laughs> I just kid. But uh, we will talk more about the day. We'll go through the whole day and what it means. And Will's going to give you some great answers because this he's been working on this when we were talking about George Floyd. And now the conversation's changed here, but the problems remain the same. A couple things I just wanted to go over with this, and I, I want everyone to understand um, why this is such a big deal and why walking away from a game that LAFC and Real Salt Lake and all, all but two of the MLS clubs, and I don't want to be too hard on Orlando and Nashville in hindsight. I'm sure they regret that decision. But this is a huge undertaking. You know, this is, you know, in the NBA, they said we're going to cancel games. The discussion afterwards went to we're going to cancel the season. There's a huge price tag involved with that. And this isn't a financial thing, but there is repercussions for that. If a game or a season's done, the money that goes into that is they've already lost a billion dollars because of COVID. There's probably going to lose another billion dollars because of this. That's the NBA. It's got a huge TV contract. There are people that are not like you or me who will stop watching these sports because of when they turn on sports, they don't want to be, for lack of a better word, burdened with these social issues. They'll switch it. It's difficult. You've got to stay engaged. We, I, we know the, uh, the gravity of this moment, so we remain engaged. But that's, there's, a, there's, there's a, a percentage of people that are out there. NBA has a huge TV contract, as I said. So if things get canceled beyond this one game, and one game is not a minor detail, it's not. And it has to be connected in so many spots. And there's so many things you have to consider. Remember, we're playing Real Salt Lake and they were bringing fans in. So there's a checklist you got to go through. It's, 
it's exhausting. And the players and the coaches have to com- converse with all these people. It's not just, hey, game's off. And again, with repercussions, you could say this, what if the MLS season doesn't conclude? Well, look, if the MLS season was canceled from this day, MLS is, MLS operates generally in the red. You know, clubs are not making money. There's a hope there's money being invested in, but the day-to-day, especially after COVID, it's very delicate times. There's layoffs, et cetera. MLS does not have a big TV deal. And already without fans coming in, this is, you know, it, it falls into the storm. But it is just worth reminding that to you because just to show, I, I just want to make it abundantly clear the significance of what happened. We're going to get more information and we will see if the MLS season moves on as scheduled uh, with this game to be rescheduled and many other games from Wednesday night. It is it's already opened up, you know, you know, with the rail salt Lake, uh, Deloy Hansen, the owner said some, you know, s- some things he shouldn't have and rail salt Lake. There's, a, there's seemingly an intervention going on there with that club. So it is already exposing or going into us. It's taking us into this new, into this new reality. And that makes the, 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 the gesture so much more powerful. Because it does. You, you can't stop other... Architects aren't going to stop drawing. Realtors aren't going to say, I'm not going to sell houses for a day. There's no other place where you can get that impact other than sports. I work in sports, and I know it's something that we have to... That protests are most effective. The most famous protests in this country, from Muhammad Ali to the, the Olympic Games, and I can't remember when and which year, uh, with the American sprinters, John uh, Carlos... These things are the ones that resonate the most. I don't want to say too much. I, th- I know I have. But we will let, we'll have a better discussion about what happened. This is an amazing day, and I think it's important to soak it all in, and it's important to have the dialogue and the conversations. And I'm going to have one here with Will Kuntz on the other end of this. This is Inside LAFC. Please subscribe, rate, and review. I know you're going to really enjoy this conversation. We'll be right back. We are back here on Inside LAFC and a friend of the program joining us again the third time, Will. Congratulations. Patrick. Senior Vice President of Soccer Ops, uh, Assistant General Manager Will Kuntz, who uh, we're going to get a closer look at to what happened on this historic day, uh, the flight from LAFC to Salt Lake and back. So let's start. You, you, You guys were in LA in the morning and then took a plane. Is that, is that correct? On oh, the day of yeah. the game. So, the, you know, new protocol in this, this COVID world in this uh, first phase of, of return to play after the bubble. Uh, the, the protocol is to not have any overnight. So every road trip is a fly-in in the morning or you know, fly morning, uh, play the game, fly out right afterwards. So no hotel overnights. So the guys left uh, yesterday. I actually stayed behind yesterday, uh, which actually made the, the events of the day even a little more uh, chaotic. So the, the guys left at about 11 o'clock uh, our time yesterday. And then, uh, you know, while they're in the air, we've been having a conversation about, uh, you know, what we're going to do for the, when the anthem got played, right? And when we woke up yesterday morning, that's what we were thinking about because Salt Lake was going to have fans in the building. And then, you know, MLS has said that where there are fans in uh, stadiums, they're going to play the national anthem. So the, when we kind of woke up, the, the discussion was about, all right, what's our, what's our collective response going to be as a team, uh, you know, when they play the anthem? Uh, 
And then at about 12.45, when the team's still in the air, uh, you know, the, the Bucks announced that they're not going to play their game uh, against the, uh, the Magic in Orlando, the NBA, in the bubble. And that immediately kicks off. So I'm texting Bob and John while they're in the air and then, uh, you know, say, hey, we, we got to stay on top of this, right? Because shortly thereafter. You knew, you knew immediately. You said that this is going to affect everything. And, you, and you, as you said, you're, everyone's, uh, you were engaged. You knew that there was going to be some uncomfortable conversations about what's going to happen with the anthem uh, when, when everyone takes a knee. So you knew. Yeah, we, we were, you know, you, we, we saw what happened, you know, last week with, in Dallas, um, you know, and, and it's just a very charged time, especially in light of uh, what happened with uh, in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin this past week. And so, you know, we were, it was on our radar. And then as soon as the, you know, you see the NBA games are the first game gets canceled. And then I think LeBron was tweeting something about the game, you know, somebody reported that the, the Raptors and Celtics are meeting and we're like, okay, now it's just, now we got to get the list of all the games up, you know, in that ESPN ticker and just find out what's going to be happening. Right. Cause we need to watch, uh, I think the Yankees and Braves had already started game one of their double headers. So there was already a baseball game going, but then, you know, immediately the conversation then becomes, all right, what, what's everybody else going to do? Um, and, and we're sort of sitting there watching and we're also talking about what do we want to do? Right. Um, obviously we have uh, a lot of black players. So you know, Bob was, uh, I think very proactive about going to some of the guys in the team and not just starters, but, but reserves as well and saying, Hey, what, what do you guys think we should do? Um, and you know, there's an, a group of, black employees at LAFC. We have an internal working group and, and uh, you know, Bob took the time to have a Zoom call with, with that group, right? Because he wanted to hear, uh, you know, from from us and we wanted to hear from him about what his thoughts were about, about everything, obviously, because this is a very charged time. So, uh, you know, as we the team gets to the hotel, you know, we're sort of monitoring the situation, having calls to Bob, calls to John. John's having calls to the league. I'm having calls to the league office. Uh, trying to get our arms around what's going to happen, right? So all eyes were kind of on um, Orlando and uh, Nashville, who were the first of the MLS slate yesterday to kick off. And that was a 4 o'clock game. You know, obviously, the Brewers announced in, in baseball that they weren't going to play, but some other baseball games were going off. So it was sort of a little disjointed uh, and a bit of a scramble, and, and nobody really knew what to do. There wasn't a, a clear, cohesive message coming from any direction. Uh, there, was nothing, there was no interaction between the, the teams? Because, you know, there was a – the story early that, you know, Miami and Atlanta were having discussions. And from the, what I saw on Twitter, it was also like, hey, this is going to continue. Our conversation is going to continue with other clubs. Was there that, you know, outside of Rail Salt Lake and you guys, was there those conversations from out-of-market teams as well? So, you know, players are always talking to each other. And so I think you have a lot of that. I right? saw a lot of phones out. A lot of phones <laughs> out. We saw the footage. Everyone was, it was, it was a, beyond the pale. I go, something's brewing. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's a you know, in, in in real time, you could feel it, right? Like I said, as soon as that Magic uh, Bucks game got canceled, you knew some, you know, you knew it was it was momentous, right? And so, uh, of course, our guys are talking to other guys, but uh, again, you know, everybody's it's it's somewhat siloed conversations or, or conversations from from silo to silo, but you're not really aware of what the the bigger picture is, right? And at the same time, um, you know, having worked in the league office, they're trying to get their arms around everything too, right? So. The league is trying to figure out what they're going to do. Our players are talking uh, with, you know, other teams. They're also there's a lot of discussion happening internally, right? And so, um, you know, as as Bobby's with certain guys, we're still preparing for a game, but then we got to sort of, you know, be aware of what's happening. Did uh, what was the? Because look, it take there's two teams there, 
and we saw the photo, which was a, an incredible moment and, and a wonderful idea. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of historically stamping these moments, and I thought that was very poignant. And uh, that, in a tough night, it kind of, it washed over me in the best possible way, and I think we all needed that. But what was that dialogue with Ralph? So uh, upon arriving with the, the players and the coaches, and it is amazing with the Zoom calls and for Bob to take that time to to do that. I don't know if any, uh, most coaches would do it, but what what did what were your what were your feedback on the dialogue between you guys getting there and having that conversation with Ralph Salt Lake as to where this was going? So I think there was there were conversations taking place at like at least three different levels. Right, so you've got um, you know John's on a call with our owners, Salt Lake's owner, the league office, some other you know members of the product strategy committee. They're trying to figure out what to do. Um, you know, you've got our players having conversations with some of their guys. You know. Um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips and Neda Onwoha, they came up together in Manchester City, right? They played reserve games together. And so you know, now here they are at Rio Tinto. Um, I don't want to say in a fight that's not theirs, but it's a, a different dynamic, right? And so, um, and then you've got our players, like I said, talking to, and Salt Lake's players talking to other players around the league. So there's all of these different types of, of conversations taking place. And I think, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty, pretty queer, pretty clear pretty quickly that guys were aligned, right? And I think that, um, you know, the Atlanta game, and it's, it's in my mind who Atlanta was playing, but that was uh, in between the Orlando national game and our game, right? So as soon as that game got canceled, that also sort of uh, brought a little more clarity to the situation about what was going to go forward. I, I just want to, you know, because there's been a lot of criticism towards Orlando and Nashville. And, you know, in hindsight, we look at what happened. And I don't want to get out of sequence here. I'll get back into the day's events. But is it because of the nature when I hear you say this and these games and people not knowing is, uh, is it, is it fair to maybe lower some of that criticism on those teams or is, is this something where the communication should have filtered that direction as well? You know, I think it's, it's a, it's a really hard question to answer, right? Because the yeah. situation itself was to your, you, know, you said it earlier perfectly, like everything was happening in real time. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, and I don't know that anybody was there in the locker rooms of Orlando and Nashville to really understand what the process was. Right. And, um, you know, in, in all of this, right. Like players want to play. And so, I, and it's not to say that they don't care about the issues today, but there's, there's a strong, um, I think there's a real tension there between, you know, wanting to get out in the field, but then also wanting to, to figure out what we're going to do as a response. And I think, you know, not to make excuses for anybody and, and or to throw anybody in the bus, but it's, it's hard to be the first. Sure. You know? So I, I think there's an element of that too. There's a lot of indecision, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's difficult to make a, make a call. Um, you know, I, I will say that you know, our conversation after the national and Orlando game kicked off was still that, you know, Hey, we don't, we don't think it's appropriate for us to play tonight. Right. Um, we don't think we should be bound by the precedent of Orlando national kicking off. We don't think that we need to wait and see what Atlanta's doing to make our determination. You know, this is a, we're seeing NBA teams, some MLB teams, the WNBA uh, taking a stand. This, this was an opportunity for us. The way, the way I said it to, to our guys, was it's an opportunity to stand on the right side of history. Is it safe to say that if the Bucks did not make that decision at, I think it was noon Eastern time, that the, the domino effect would have occurred? Do you think – because we heard about the was the I'm sorry was it the Celtics or the Raptors thought about it they they right. did do you think at some point it would have and this is all you know water under the bridge you know, that at some point 
this could have happened at another place? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could have potentially. Um, you know, it, it's interesting when you think about the history that the, the Bucks have had in the last two years with the Wisconsin PD, right, Milwaukee PD. I mean, it, it is so close to home for them because you know, what's happening in Kenosha is in Wisconsin, but also what their own player went through. Um, uh, Sterling know, Brown. Sterling Brown with uh, the police brutality, I think it was two seasons ago, right? So I think it, it was appropriate that it was them because it's, it's closest to home on two different fronts for them, right? And so I think, uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I, I think it's, it's, there's a real reason why they were the ones to stand up and say, hey, right? And, you know, it's, like I was saying before, it's hard to go first, um, but, you know, they've had the experience, they had the, the conviction, right? And they stood up and I think they gave, Everybody else, not just in the NBA, but teams in baseball, the WNBA, you know, teams in MLS, you know, that, that speaks to the courage and, and the impact of their, uh, their actions. Just go to, the, to wrap up game day. The photo was taken. I saw the players were there for a little bit, but then they headed back to the hotel and back to Los Angeles. So back to the airport. So it's straight, it's no, but straight to the airport. Yeah, and, you had to go out that, that evening. Yeah, in that um, in that period of time, it's funny. I was talking to Bob today, and he was saying, you know, it was there was a period of time where guys were out in the field at the picture, and there were no phones out, you know, and it was just a bunch of guys on a soccer field, kind of running around, kind of laughing, smiling, having fun, and uh, you know, obviously that's not to diminish the the importance and the impact of the day, but it was just sort of, you know, a refreshing reminder. That, hey, we're we're all human beings here. We're all individuals. We're all here to to be part of something bigger that's great to hear as well those moments i to me they carry me because it's i came home last night it was it was i was so exhausted we were doing the game for youtube tv we're getting this information we didn't know and i came home obviously earlier than i thought and i just sunk into the chair and i just you know the historical significance of the day really hit me and those little moments because we're all in it uh make a big difference did um was there talk i heard there was some talk we we were relayed this information at the studios that there was talk to maybe play the game today. We're doing this podcast today, which is a Thursday. Was that on the table? So in, in real time, you know, what, one of the things you have to consider is how you know, do we have the opportunity to make this game up? Right. And I, I think it's a credit to the league that they didn't just sort of say, Hey, we're going to do this tomorrow, but you know, we're already in a very compacted schedule, right? We're playing six games and whatever it is, 20 some odd days. Um, and that's just in this phase one, I think, hopefully if we if everything goes all right we're going to sort of see something very similar right we're bounded by you know mid-december as far as when this the season can run so it's going to be a, a slate of games just come one after the other and so I, the league does have to sort of take that into consideration right but it's a credit to them that they didn't say yes let's do it uh, i think it was a, a very wise decision to say we got to have to we're gonna have to wait and see how this dust settles um you know and that's a lot to ask physically for guys to go again because you, you can't because of the protocol, you can't stay overnight in Salt Lake, right? So guys got to fly back, um, and then you know, run it back tomorrow, do the same thing, play out in the morning, play. And so, uh, you know, again, these are these are decisions or conversations that you have to have in real time. But I think it's more in the vein of just trying to make sure that everything's on the table, everything's been considered. I mean, I had conversations with the commissioner's office about, hey, are, you know, just to be clear, like we're not going to find players, right? Like we're not going to try and dock points for teams that that don't play. I mean, um, you know, the NBA, there was a little talk about the, the magic forfeiting or the, the bucks forfeiting and the magic said, no, we're not going to accept a win for this. Oh boy. Which is incredible. <laughs> but you know, it's, again, it, that's a, you know, 
points and and fines. They're sort of secondary concerns to making this the strong statement, but they are they're all things that kind of go into it, right? And they're things that if if you don't kind of consider in real time, uh, can make a an already fraught tense situation even worse. So uh, I think it's to accept that those conversations taking place. It's more about making sure that we don't leave anything uh, no no stone unturned. And it, it it says to the this the the nature of having to postpone, you know, we've, we, the word boycott was used. It's not a boycott, but a somewhat of a strike, but to, let's just say to postpone a game for the players to do this, this is unprecedented. This is how, how, how massive of a, of an undertaking is that? I mean, what, what kind of commitment would that require where you're coming out, you're hours away from kicking off and then no games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it requires a lot, you know, and like I said, myself, the people of the league, everybody's trying to, to figure out what's going to happen in real time. The players don't even know any of that, right? I mean, they don't even – they don't really have the time to take that into consideration, right? So they're just saying, hey, this is what we think we should do. Um, you know, and I, I spoke with Mark Anthony Kay today, and he, you know, he was talking about how he addressed the team yesterday and said, you know, guys, I, I don't think I can play tonight for the mindset. And Diego Rossi got up and said, hey, if, if you're not playing, we're not playing, right? And wow. so that um, – I think it speaks to the – the team we have, the group we have, and, and yeah, guys are flying blind, but the one thing throughout was this was always a, a we thing. This was all of us together uh, looking out for each other, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to say that other teams weren't, you know, we, we weren't a part of what other teams are doing, but uh, I think every step of the way we were in line, we were all having communication um, and we were all there to support each other. I love Diego Rossi, man, but I just, I couldn't think I could like that guy anymore. And I just <laughs> did. This was a team effort, but look, when it was all happening in real time, I was on Twitter and three tweets uh, really, you know, hit me, hit me stronger than any other. And to the nature of what the Bucks did, it was a couple play. It had to start from somewhere. It was a player. And then the next player, as you said, Mark Anthony said this and Diego says, if you're not playing, we're not playing. So I saw, uh, Josie Altidore, it, I, I, it was something like, so what, what are you going to do, MLS? Something to that effect. And then Jeremy Ibobasi of the Portland Timbers sent a tweet suggesting it can't be business as usual. We've, we can't just sweep this under the rug. We've got to keep the momentum, which also was really made me think. And then Mark Anthony. And there was a lot – Mark's had a lot more anger, and it was, it was visceral. How much do you think those reactions of just those three players or the collection of guys – how much of their commitment made this happen? And do you think without them, without Mark Anthony, for instance, just stick with Mark Anthony, without him saying, we're not going to do this, that this would ever take place? You know, I, I think because of what was happening in the NBA, um, it was always going to be a conversation. But certainly, you know, just like it was closer to home for the Bucks than other teams, and that gave them the conviction to go forward, it's going to be closer to home for our black players, right? And um, and it's going to sort of give them the conviction to really, uh, you know, step up and, and take a stand. Uh, the uh, we've talked about this before, and we, t- we 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 mentioned this when we were discussing George Floyd, and now the discussion with Jacob Blake that LAFC has a, a contingent of black players, but none are from the United States. Mark Anthony's close; he's from Canada, but you have a, a black player from the Netherlands, one from Ghana one from England uh, is it is how is that dynamic played out when it, it, it this is really an American problem but when other pl- racism is everywhere there's no doubt about it but 
not having that American player and, and how that vacuum is somewhat filled and how it becomes relatable to black players who are not from the U.S.? I think it's, um, you know, to your point, racism is everywhere. And so as a, as a black player, wherever you come from, right? And, and certainly there are places in Europe that, that aren't great with racial issues either. And so, you know, even if this isn't, you know, your home territory, um, I think it's a, it's a fight that is familiar to, to all black players, right? And, and it's a, uh, it might not be your house, but it's still your fight. And so I think, you know, the, the other thing that's very different about being in the U.S. is that you, know, you, you see our, our populace um, being more vocal, being more active uh, in, in, in many ways. Some that are sort of extremely positive, some that, that can kind of divide a little more. But I think that's the, um, that, that aspect of it allows everybody to be enrolled no matter where you're from. Very well said. Uh, as we've gone through the, the days, uh, what happened on that Wednesday, and we were on the air and, and Mark was asked, what do you want from this? And he, you know, he, 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 has, he had a list of things, uh, the dialogue, which we have to continue. You, you are a black American and you have seen and dealt with racism firsthand. Now that you have that attention, are, in addition to the dialogue, what kind of things would we want to see come out of here so that this is not, for lack of a better word, wasted? It's not a, a moment in time where we don't seize the, seize the day. No, it's, it's a great question, right? And, and the, the big fear in all of this is that we end up sort of expounding a lot, expending a lot of energy sort of being outraged and talking about this, and then we end up in the same place, uh, you know, down the line when this inevitably happens again. And, you know, I don't want to sound uh, cynical, but I, I expect that this will happen again, right? It, it's sort of uh, endemic to, to this moment in society and, and part of our history in America. But I, I will say that, you know, in, in the wake of uh, the George Floyd murder, our ownership came to us and, and from, to myself, to some other uh, black employees and, and asked us, you know, what should our response be? And so uh, we created an internal group uh, called the DEI, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Committee. And we've come up with uh, a series of uh, initiatives across sort of the, the broad spectrum of, of the things that we think touch LAFC and our ownership has committed $500,000 a year um, annually to that to those initiatives so they include things you know sort of internally so you know implicit bias training um, you know the diversity and inclusion sort of specialists who can come and evaluate how we operate as a business you know I think we're really proud of our diversity um, you know we've got Hispanic employees black employees um, and we're, we're proud of that but we know that we can be better um, you know we still have yet to have a black uh, or Hispanic member of the C-suite. So that's something that, you know, um, again, we want to make sure that, that we don't lose sight of and keep pushing for, but then, you know, also ways in which we can connect with the community, right? Um, so, you know, cultural events, be it community spaces, uh, partnering with black businesses, uh, you know, partnering with black artists, um, you know, trying to explore what we can do in the uh, social justice space, right? And then um, also how do we, reach out to our black fans, right? How do we encourage uh, more black fan participation? What can we do differently? And then, um, you know, the great thing about what we've created and that DEI, the DEI committee that we have is not just our black employees, but also, you know, uh, employees from every walk of, of the company. And 
you know, enrolling them has really helped us. It, it's allowed us to sort of uh, tap into all the best attributes and attributes and skill sets of everybody at the company. And you know, what we've created is um, in response, I think, to what's happening at this moment. But you know, our ownership was very clear, and 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 it's what we believe too. You know, when we say we want to be a force for good. That uh, this these initiatives, this group, while it is being formed in response to sort of directly George Floyd and, and the Black Lives Matter movement. But this isn't this is an engine, you know, for us, a weapon for us that we can turn to any issue, right? So it's not something that is going to uh, just start and end with, uh, you know, black issues. I mean, there's so many things, um, you know, Latino issues, Asian issues, uh, LGBTQ, um, gender equality. I mean, you know, this gives us the framework to sort of figure out how we are going to sort of uphold our promise to the city about being that force for good and and being uh, you know, a unifying force in the city to bring the world city together, right? So um, this is our big challenge now. And I think, you know, I'm trying to line up some conversations with, with Just Tomorrow and some of the Black Players for Change. Obviously, Mark and I have talked about this, but, um, you know, part of understanding what can we do is understanding all the different ways in which uh, we can affect change. So it's not just the, the police reform. That's obviously a, a very significant part of it for a lot of people, but but smaller things, right? Community, how do we bring people together? And I think, uh, you know, particularly at a time in, in, certainly in my lifetime in America where things seem to be the most fractured, it's, it's finding ways to, uh, to come together, right? And then, and then knowing that it's not just gonna be uh, strictly a black issue. Um, we wanna respond to all the issues and we wanna be as inclusive as possible. Well, it, it gives me so much comfort that you're out there and uh, where you go, I shall follow. I, I know we, we actually did some of the, the uh, DEI training with the capsules and uh, the compliance, and it's great. It really gets your brain to work in a, in a different way when you walk into the workplace. Our workplace is much different. We're, I'm here in my little kitchenette <laughs> doing my work, so uh, I, I kind of mind my own space. But we, I think it's even more important because we're going to go back in there. And I'm embarrassed to say this. But we had these discussions, and while I try to keep them on the 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 the, the front bur the front burner, until this happened, they did recede a little bit, and it 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 takes these things to remind you, and it, and we have to stay uncomfortable because all those things you just talked about, and reaching out to the community and giving uh, minorities a better opportunity, whether it be black or Hispanic. Uh, it's a, it's a full-time thing. And it was a reminder to me because I, I, the last two, and I, the last week or so, it really, it, it wasn't prioritized. And I'm, I'm ashamed of myself because it's a reminder that these things flare up because we got to stay attentive a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. What do you think? I'll leave it at this. Uh, you mentioned talking out to, talking to Justin Morrow and the black players for change. Is there, is there a, uh, some sort of system we can have where the clubs in this league can work at efficient and uh, in, in efficient ways because the end result is the same because we're kind of all striving there. Is there some something like a, an LAFC employee can do with a Columbus employee can do with an NYCFC with an Orlando city employee? Yeah, I think it, it you know, just like we were talking about how the players are sort of in silos yesterday is trying to figure out what's going on. You know, clubs are sort of siloed because we are, you know, we're sort of focused on LAFC every day, how we can get better, and then how we interface with, with the league office, but not necessarily with other clubs, right? And so I think a lot of the way forward here is to say, to go to these other clubs and, and kind of compare notes. Say, hey, what are you guys doing? This is what we're working on. Um, have you guys seen anything like this? You know, 
does this work for you? Do you have any thoughts on this? And, you know, we're starting to, to build now that we've kind of honed our own initiatives. Now it's time. I think we're at a place where we can start going out to other clubs and say, Hey, this is what we've got. Hopefully some of it works for you, you know, um, take it, remix it, customize it, make it bespoke for you guys. And then we'd love to have your feedback too. And so I think it, um, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to start this dialogue and the sharing of best practices, because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we are one league uh, and we're all in this together and, and this, that can go across leagues as well. Right. So, um, I think that's the real exciting piece of, of what's yet to come. Right. And, and, you know, to the extent that we can help the, the black players for change, the extent they can help us, the extent we can help other clubs. I think there's, there's a whole nother gear that we have, uh, to hit. And I, I think we're coming up on that now. Well, uh, you make my job real easy. All right. <laughs> You're the third time you've been on this podcast, but, uh, uh, I, I would have you on all the time because I know people are going to love hearing this conversation because you say it like you do and you say it in a beautiful, eloquent manner and it something that stays with me. So I appreciate you joining us. We're on board. Uh, I am your ally if you need me and I will, I won't wait for you to tell me, but I will stay on top of this as well. I promise you that. And uh, I apologize for these fire trucks going by. I don't know if you heard that, but there was like eight, I'm here at home and the fire trucks are going. So we've got the AC cranking, uh, because it's a billion degrees here in Santa Monica, so I can't hear anything outside of... Uh, They're going to turn the power off in your grid if you're not careful. Tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. That's it. Listen, my fiance has been clear. She's willing to run that risk. So. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Thanks again, Will. Uh, I appreciate everyone listening. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and we'll be back. Uh, we love this club. As you can see with guys like Will, the reason why, we'll be back again very soon. Thanks. All right, Max. Appreciate you.